0: Sorry, the of is not at
1: this time. Welcome to the Tale of the Tape. It's the pound for pound, Undisputed Kings, it's the tale of the tape. Time to enter the ring. Boxing knowledge dropped by Kenny and Vin, It's the sweet science by the Die Hard fans. Manny and Floyd, Triple G and the rest Like an overhand right from Krusha Kovalev The Tale of the Tape on boxingrant.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings It's the Tale of the Tape, time to enter the ring The Tale of the Tape on TheBoxingRamp.com Welcome back to The Tale of the Tape what up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Keith of TheBoxingRant.com, and back with me for the second episode of the week, episode 41, my co-host Vince Cummings. What up, Vin?
0: What up, buddy? I ain't going nowhere.
1: And neither am I, as it is time to preview the return of HBO World Championship Boxing in the return of one of boxing's greatest fighters, the crusher, Sergei Kovalev as he is set to square off against Montreal's Jean Pascal. It is a fight in defense of Kovalev's unified light heavyweight titles, his three major belts, and a tough and rugged opponent in Jean Pascal. In his own hometown. That's right. This is the definition of what we've been looking for, damn it. Yep. So much of the dulling and numbing and stupefying of boxing just to acquire fans that don't give a shit about your sport anyways. All of that is just one gigantic distraction in the corner when a legitimate, daring-to-be-great champion of the sport and great professional fighter, the likes of which we have not seen in the 175-pound division in quite some time. Sergey Kovalev holds the mantle to the light heavyweight titles. And Jean Pascal stands across from him, and he's cut from a very, very similar cloth.
0: Oh yeah. Pascal is a very tough fighter. It's gonna be probably be Kovalev's toughest fight to date. What about Jean
1: Pascal, then, to you? What is the biggest threat that he poses to the
0: unified light heavyweight champion? It's not so much as there's one, you know, singular thing that poses a threat. He's got good power. He's very athletic, he's very quick, he's gonna have probably the quickest hands of anybody that he's fought, and especially coming off a fight for Kovalev against Hopkins where he fought a very kind of slower, older guy. This might be a bit of a, you know, the contrast in speed and power and movement is going to be a lot different.
1: Let's talk about the two fights against Bernard Hopkins. What are your thoughts on those two fights? What are your memories of those two fights, the first of which ending in a majority draw and the second of which ending in Bernard Hopkins'
0: walking away with the belts. The first fight, you saw a very confident Pascal in the first couple rounds, three, four rounds. He put Hopkins down a couple times. Later on in that fight, you saw Hopkins take control and Pascal looked like a very confused fighter and looked like he was scared to get off. It was a something that you hadn't seen from Pascal. You fast forward to the second fight, and it was more of the same. He almost seemed mesmerized by just an old man that was giving it to him. Pascal is a better fighter than that. I don't understand why he let Hopkins do that to him, but hey, maybe that speaks to him as, you know, you put him in trouble in the ring, and he has a hard time kind of deciphering and, and getting his way out of that.
1: People forget sometimes about Pascal. He has some signature wins on his resume. Hell yeah. The most memorable fight to me, and maybe I'm I'm mixing feelings here because having read in detail about the lead-up, the actual fight, and the post-fight, was back in 2008, December of 2008, and his fight against Carl Froch. The fight was for the WBC Super Middleweight Championship of the World. This fight was written about in Karl Froch's autobiography, in detail. Great fight. Great fight. One of the most exciting fights of the last decade. Two warriors, two guys that could not have been different in their skill levels, Two guys that were equals as it pertained to their chins mm-hmm. and to their wills in the ring. It was an action packed fight, in a fight that Jean Pascal put it all on the line. And from all understanding, just behaved in the most honorable way, the way champions yep. conduct themselves. His fight against Chad Dawson, a defining fight in his career for sure. At this point, Chad Dawson was still recognized as one of the best all-around boxers on the planet. Mm -hmm. Everybody reaches a peak. Dawson later did, but it wasn't until the last few years. Right. Your thoughts on any of these fights? Anything stand out
0: to you of the career of Jean Pascal? Like you just brought up the frotch fight, Pascal's got some some hair on his chin, boy. It's going to be awful hard for Kovalev to hurt him. I mean, I, I understand we're talking about different, at least we think we're talking about different level power with Kovalev but uh Froch's power ain't nothing to scoff at. I mean, it's it's up there with the best in boxing. That right hand is it's like the hammer of Thor and he he walked through it and didn't have a problem with it. For Kovalev, we're going to find I mean we we found out a lot in the Hopkins fight. The guy's obviously a a master boxer. He's going to have to do the same thing against Pascal to to win this fight and he's going to have to do it just as good.
1: I think Pascal's chances lie in the similar approach and strategy as he implemented against Lucien Boutet. Mm-hmm. Bute coming into that fight had only one loss. You know, Boutet's only defeat coming at the hands of Carl Frotch by way of fifth round knockout in a fight where Frotch had reached the peak of his powers. Yeah. You know, that was the best we had probably ever seen from the Cobra. And Lucien Boutet is a fighter not to be overlooked, one of the more athletic fighters in the division. Yeah. For sure. And a well-rounded fighter. Yes. A great matchup, Boutet and Pascal. Not only for their notoriety in their homelands, but also their styles could not have been more appealing to watch.
0: Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Those guys, uh, you know, being both from the Montreal area, Montreal-based fighters, that was a really big fight.
1: Huge fight. Dude, I, I re-watch that sometimes. I don't necessarily watch the entire fight. Sometimes when I'm feeling a little down after after some drab boxing, yeah. <laughs> PBC. Um <laughs> I tend to put on fights like that just so you can get the electricity right from the crowd cuz so often that's lost on it, but electricity follows the crusher wherever he goes. Oh
0: yeah, the, I mean he's got the electricity in his right hand, buddy.
1: As a boxing fan, what does it say to you? What does it mean to you? What is it What does Sergey Kovalev's decision to go and defend his newly earned 175-pound belts, taking them and defending them in a hostile, hostile environment in front of a crowd that will be one of the most loyal crowds in boxing. Mm -hmm. Montreal to Jean Pascal, you'd be hard-pressed to find a hometown crowd as loyal to their fighter as Montreal is to Pascal. What does it say to you about Crusher's decision to do this?
0: That he thinks and believes in himself as being such a badass that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where the ring is. It doesn't matter what country you're in. When he gets in the ring with whoever the opponent is, he believes 100% in himself that it's not going to matter. I'm going to finish this guy in front of me. Sergey Kovalev embodies something that's dying in this sport.
1: Mm -hmm. The Walmarting of boxing. There is a hostile takeover underway as we speak to try to eliminate what makes fighters great. Mm -hmm. It's not just their technical ability in the ring. There's an infectious demeanor and contagious personality of Sergei Kovalev. He has endeared himself to my wife. She sleeps in a Crusher (laughs) t-shirt. She watches him come on the television screen and puts a smile on her face because he's so joyful. Yes. He's the opposite of Guillermo Rigandao. He's grateful for his opportunity. Yep. He's the opposite of Andre Ward because he's a champion that will go anywhere to defend his titles. He is the opposite of everything that is wrong in this sport. The devastating power goes without saying. Right. The thing I learned the most in the Bernard Hopkins fight Sergey Kovalev is a hell of an athlete and a hell of a boxer. I think that we are in for an absolute treat with this
0: fight. Oh, I think so too. Pascal's not going to go down. So Kovalev's going to have to do some work against his toughest opponent yet. So yeah, this is going to be, there's going to be some fireworks at plenty of times. Many rounds in this fight, you're going to see flurries. You're going to see heavy action, big punches. You're going to get your money's worth here. People are going to hear a narrative
1: of the big punching champion, the dominating, devastating nature of his tactics. You're going to hear the other side, that John Pascal is the athlete, the awkward fighter that never throws two punches from the same angle. No. I think what people will be most surprised of in this fight, because it was hard to see in the last fight because of Bernard Hopkins' declining quickness, Mm -hmm. attributes. He was an age fighter in the ring. You're going to see the level of athleticism that Kovalev possesses And I think what you're going to see is is two of the best all-around athletes. While their styles are different, Kovalev's is more structured and refined, point of attack, straight punches. Pascal will bob, weave, launch punches from odd angles, use his natural raw ability because he doesn't have the technical prowess of a
0: Kovalev. You're going to see their athleticism shine in this fight, both fighters. I agree 100%. I want to say this too. We know Pascal's working with Roy Jones Jr. Now, does that is working with Roy add any dimension to his game? Is it going to add anything? We don't know. I you know Roy's kind of new to the game as far as getting into training and helping other fighters out. I watched a video online the other day of him trying to teach Pascal to spin out off of a punch, and you know, whatever he leaves you open, hit it. If hit him in the shoulder, hit him wherever. If you can hit the target. Hit it because it's it's an effective punch as long as you land it. So we'll see. Uh, you know, Roy Jones has, has got a wealth of of knowledge. Obviously, can he give it to Pascal and can Pascal do something with it? We'll see.
1: If anybody knows how to teach the style of Jean Pascal to Jean Pascal, it would be his idol, mm-hmm. in Roy Jones Jr. Yep. Roy Jones, a man, a legend in the in the fight game. Whose success was rooted and founded in explosive, quick, hard-hitting power punching from unexpected places. Yep. John Pascal will try to mirror this. Yeah, he's getting older. There's no doubt about it. I've seen no diminish to the athleticism and the quickness of the hands of Jean Pascal.
0: Not yet, nope.
1: Coming into this fight, Pascal is only 32 years old. Most people think of Pascal because he's been in the fight game for such a long time. You think of him, well, I mean, he fought Frotch so long ago. Right. He's probably in his upper 30s. Physically speaking, he's in his physical prime. Yeah. He's the same age as Gennady Golovkin. Whether the wear and tear will end up being the downfall of Jean Pascal sooner than later. right? That's yet to be seen. He incurred a ton of heavy mileage early in his career.
0: Yes, he did. And we've seen that with other fighters. Yeah, once you hit those mid-30s, that could be the end. What does Kovalev have to do in this fight? Because Kovalev's
1: never fought anybody like this before. No. Not even remotely close. Nope. He's fought slick boxers. He's fought guys with specific skill sets that do specific things very well. He hasn't fought a well-rounded fighter like Pascal before that has all of his abilities at his disposal. Bernard Hopkins, historically, may be the greatest fighter Sergey Kovalev ever faces. Right. Bernard Hopkins was not of peak prime devices no. when they fought. No, he wasn't. So not. the version that he fought, this is a better version of Jean Pascal.
0: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you're going to see Pascal and his awkward approach. It's going to be something that Kovalev's never had to deal with. The, these punches from from certain angles that you really, you can't even bring in a fighter in, in sparring to to emulate it. It's... It's just something that kind of just happens as it happens with Pascal. If Pascal is able to land a couple on Kovalev's chin, we really haven't seen Kovalev's chin tested to you know any great extent. So there's a lot of uh, of different ways and different scenarios that this could play out. The more and more you look at it, you got to think that Kovalev is going to keep it at his distance, at his range control, like we saw against Hopkins, and uh, just drop straight, straight rights. And I, I, I really feel like Pascal's going to have a hard time come the middle of the fight kind of getting past that to get his attack off.
1: What's Jean Pascal's best strategy for a come forward, straight at you, straight punching fighter?
0: Try to slip to the side. Try to slip an angle. Lead him in to throw that punch. Step to the side and unload your quick hooks. Not not long hooks like he tends to do and get wild. You got to be short and quick to the target.
1: Well, the strategy that Kovalev implored against Hopkins the fainting. Will he find such success against Pascal?
0: I will say that if you go back and watch the Hopkins Pascal fight, Hopkins had a lot of success feinting him and getting him to 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 lead in and catching him with short right hands. If Kovalev can kind of recreate that, it could be a short night for Pascal.
1: We've spoke about their athleticism, how it's similar in levels of athleticism, maybe different in approach and implementation of utilizing those fibrous muscles that allow you to explode towards the target. What is very similar between these two fighters, you're going to see two very physically statured fighters evenly matched. Yeah. There's not much difference here at all. There's about an inch in height between the two of them in difference and they have identical reaches. Okay. So realistically, if you take Pascal's experience, his awkwardness, Mm -hmm. but not awkward in a bad way, his awkwardness serves him well. So, if you take his explosiveness, if you take the awkwardness, if you take Pascal's experience, his chin, you place that against the best attributes of Sergei Kovalev's. Am I reaching in saying that this could prove to be far more even if you really break it down to the nuts
0: and bolts of it? Yeah, if you, when you break it down like that, yeah. I mean, especially on the experience side, Pascal's been in uh, big-time fights. Kovalev's first real big time fight was against Hopkins. I just think this guy is so damn good, Ken, that he's just he gets in the ring and it's just tunnel vision. He's got a a style of boxing and a style of stalking his opponent down and unloading just precise straight punching. I can't picture this guy losing to Pascal. Whether he knocks him out, he may not. I just cannot see Pascal taking advantage of of Kovalev to the point where he's going to win this fight. I feel like Kovalev is going to dominate the light heavyweight division for the next three or four years.
1: Oh, easily. Easily. Yeah. As it stands right now, I think the two most dominant fighters in boxing are Gennady Golovkin and Sergey Kovalev. Mm -hmm. If you told me that I had to pick one fighter of today's era between 160 pounds from middleweight to cruiserweight, first round pick, in a draft of a eight-man tournament best eight fighters from 160 pounds to cruiserweight mm-hmm. first round first selection I'm taking Kovalev uh not if I have first pick <laughs> <laughs> in my opinion, the only fight that Andre Ward would be the underdog in
0: yeah there's no would be the kovalev fight yeah it, you can't put that fight at any more than 50 50 and, and as far as I'm concerned we ain't seen Ward fight, so that that fight's Kovalev would be the favorite coming into that.
1: Kovalev fight. is so unbelievably overwhelming. Yeah, he's so overwhelming. The stalking and calm aggression of Triple G is something to behold. Yeah, but he's not even as overwhelming as Kovalev is. No, Kovalev is so fast. When he jumps in and faints, he looks like a larger version of Manny Pacquiao with his explosiveness to the target. Mm-hmm. In your face, boom, 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 and out. And I think that that is the approach that John David is going to have Kovalev implement again. They used it to exploit the age of Bernard Hopkins in that fight. He stressed it. He didn't reveal it in the lead-up, but he definitely made sense of it. That their approach in that fight was going to be make him look old. In this fight, I think the approach we're going to see... From Sergey Kovalev and his trainer, John David. I think we are going to see him beat John Pascal with accumulative damage. They're going to have to hit him and hit him and hit him and be relentless. I just said it. Sergey Kovalev may be the most overwhelming fighter on the planet right now. If that is the one factor that separates you from the likes of Andre Ward, Carl Frotch, Adonis Stevenson, Bernard Hopkins... Jean Pascal, the higher echelon guys between 168, 175, cruiserweight, whatever weight class within range. If that is his most overwhelming element that differentiates him from those other great fighters, then that's what he's going to have to do to decisively beat Jean Pascal, which I believe that strategy results in a late technical knockout.
0: You know what? I am right with you. I think that Pascal is going to, take a lot of damage at points in this fight. And he's, we know he can take big shots and he's going to take a lot of them and probably won't go down. Maybe he will go down once who knows, but the, those, those big shots. He's if you eat those for eight, nine, 10 rounds, I'm sorry. It's just becomes a point in time where we almost saw it with Guerrero, but Guerrero is just a, a freak of nature. Any other fighter in that fight against Thurman would have, they would have been done. They would have given up. I feel like this, that's the type of thing we're going to see in this fight. Pascal's just not going to be able, especially if you want to have a career moving forward. I just see it as the damage is going to be too much. The punches are going to be too big. And as the fight gets later, they're going to be coming at a higher rate, more landing. It's it's going to be a good thing for him in his corner to probably either throw in the towel or the referee is going to stop the fight because I just see Kovalev just putting on another masterclass. I really do.
1: I'm really excited about the future of Sergey Kovalev. Yeah. I think we are in the midst. We're at the beginning. We're not scratching the surface. Yeah. He's been unleashed onto boxing, and like you said earlier in the show, we're about to witness a stretch here with him where we're going to see some really amazing fights. He's going to take on the best fighter available.
0: I feel like you're going to see him on a 12-fight defense streak before anybody even gives him a, a run for his money.
1: I don't think Adonis Stevenson would last probably past seven or eight rounds with Sergey, A guy whose ego is so fragile mm-hmm. as Adonis Stevenson, I think Kovalev will break the will of fighters like him.
0: Stevenson's one-dimensional. There is not a one-dimensional fighter in the world that's going to beat Kovalev. I'm no. sorry. Kovalev is one of the most well-rounded
1: fighters on the planet.
0: Yep. And not
1: to mention, he's one hell of a crusher.
0: <laughs> you know, he will crush you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> He's coming to a town near you to crush you. <laughs> <laughs> Do <svidanya. laughs> Oh, All right, before we get into the undercard, there's a couple interesting fighters I want to touch on. But as it relates to Sergei Kovalev, does the existence and the emergence of Sergei Kovalev and the existence and the rollout, the unveil, the beginning of this attempted takeover by PBC. Do you notice similarities between the two? Do you notice that one is operating under one set of circumstances and premise and the other contradicts it Mm -hmm. in its entirety? I feel like boxing is growing. Is it growing apart? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are we going to see two world orders now definitively? Yes, I believe we are said in that way don't you think the rules and the circumstances the ideals of the two being what they are if the pbc doesn't want the individual to shine if legacy and history of these belts is irrelevant if they are so willing to dictate a new narrative and try to manipulate new people into buying into a falsified product The sort of humdrum efforts of the PBC's production, the dulling down of the entire event, even sort of diminishing the star of a great fight like Thurman and Guerrero, making it seem like it wasn't that great, even though we know it was great. Will fighters ever that fight in that organization moving forward? And and again, we can't make this definitive proclamation yet. It's yet to be seen. Can fighters ever evolve? Can they ever reach the heights and the potential of Sergei Kovalev? Or will the PBC swallow up all of that unique individualities that make Sergei Kovalev, Gennady Golovkin, the great fighters that are rising and separating themselves so far beyond what the PBC is producing, what they currently have, and what the future prospects hold for them? is it even possible for a fighter as talented as Sergei Kovalev to reach his peak potential in that organization?
0: Hell no. No, cuz you don't have the you don't have the pool of fighters to to pull opponents from for one. I mean if you're only fighting guys that are involved in the PBC, if you're in the PBC, you're not going outside of that establishment to get anybody. So no, you're never going to see anybody in the PBC This guy brings three belts to the ring. That says something. I don't care what you do in the PBC, whatever belt you make or don't make. There's something that says when you see a guy coming to the ring, like, hey, I fought the best everywhere from every sanctioning body, whether you agree with these sanctioned bodies or not, whether you agree with mandatories or whatever, this guy fights whoever and beats whoever. You can't do that in the PBC. It's impossible. They'll never create a monster, the likes of triple G or if Kovalev is, is trending that way, if he reaches that, those Heights too, they will never have anybody like that.
1: It makes the thoughts I have about the PBC, the hesitation, and I don't know, sort of these reluctant feelings that I have about the PBC. It makes me feel okay about having them knowing that on March 14th, I can turn on HBO and watch one of the true greats in the sport operate. Um, and do it for the right reasons. He's there to attain glory, he's there to win. He's there for his own pride. At whatever cost. At whatever cost. That is at the at the root of everything. At the root of everything in this sport, Vince. Isn't that what makes boxing the best sport on the planet?
0: That yeah, that's why I fell in love with it when I was 4 years old watching Rocky 4. Yeah, it's what makes the sport the the one-on-one, the, the test of will and strength, and you don't get that in any other sport. There's not any sport in the world that offers that besides the MMA, which, I'm sorry, it's just not the same as boxing. It does not come off the same. That is what makes boxing and what has drawn me and, and turned me into the as big a fan as I am.
1: The biggest reason why I've found myself over over the years sort of moving away from sports that I found my heroes in before I grew up as a huge admirer of Cal Ripken. Mm -hmm. He was my idol growing up. Nobody embodied, and to this day, nobody embodies baseball like Cal Ripken Jr. did. What he stood for, what he worked for, the legacy of the Iron Man who showed up every day to work and worked his hardest and would never let any little petty circumstance keep him from doing his job day in and day out was an exemplary model for anybody to follow. As baseball went through its turmoil, I was an admirer of Mark McGuire and much of the same heroic nature, but different. Cal, I admired him because he's who I wanted to be when I grew up. Mark McGuire embodied what I kind of like about fighters. There's a physical prowess Mm -hmm. and a physical greatness to what he is able to do on the field. When speculation began, when the home run race happened, when him and Sosa were were chasing Roger Maris's record, I was a freshman in college. You were a senior in high school. Yep. And I remember it vividly, watching it. There are very few moments in time that I remember that the feeling, the buzz in this country, the way that it moved the entire country, the disappointment that followed with all of with baseball unraveling under the shroud and the secrecy and the corruption of steroids knowing that this guy that i had admired so much turned into something he was not that man at all he cheated
0: all those guys cheated all the fans
1: that stripped us that stripped future fans hopefully the cleaning up of the game allows kids to grow up like we did mm-hmm. and admire greats in baseball, because there's nothing more American in this country than growing up with a baseball hero. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're
0: exactly right.
1: And hopefully kids are able to enjoy that the way that we enjoyed it. That very thing is what gravitated me to boxing. Even as an adult, I find myself romanticizing about what I loved about sports as a kid. That's why I'm so passionate about it. Mm -hmm. People mistake my intensity for just... (laughs) insanity sometimes (laughs) you know in reality it is reliving those feelings from our youth yep boxing gives that to me as an adult Mm -hmm. sergey kovalev is one of those heroes i'm older than the guy and (laughs) and i look at him as embodying what is good about sports right does it matter the age these are the things that this sport needs it is possible if people like Ludabella stopped blowing hot steam all the time, trying to convince us how righteous they are and different from every other promoter, and if they instead decided to clean up the sport around people like Sergei Kovalev, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. The sport would be greater than it's ever been because people have a desire to root for greatness and dominance.
0: Yes, uh, you're 100% right. I mean, if you had... 20, 30 fighters that you could line up that were along the same lines as Kovalev and and how they handled themselves in the sport. Boxing would be the biggest sport in America as far as I'm concerned, Uh but you don't, you got about three of those guys. right? Yeah.
1: Because the people that run and operate the sport, Al Heyman's cronies, his shields that he throws out into the public to try to convince everybody that what they're doing is so great and profound and, and just really the best thing for the sport. They're taking advantage of a of a of a sport in a crippled state. Yep. Is what they're doing. I would love to see all the talk stop and people just literally try to build something great around these individuals. I think what Kathy Duva is doing with Sergei Kovalev, taking him to Montreal, you can see how proud she is of him. Oh yeah. Yeah, there is a lot to be said about how important. About how important he is to the future of main events, there's there's no doubt about that. He's their, he's their best fighter. He's their he's gonna be their cash cow. Yep. You know what I mean. So they're gonna take him anywhere that they can make money. There's no doubt about that. But they don't have any worries about it. These promoters out here only worry about their their bottom lines and their investment. So they would talk their fighter. No, don't do that, cause yeah, that's too risky. We'll get you a bum to fight and we'll we'll all make more money off of it. That way, instead of maybe 10 more fights, we'll get 20 more fights. We'll maximize the right. hypocrisy.
0: Uh, I think that what makes Kathy Duva so great, her relationship with Kovalev, is she doesn't have to worry about getting a no from her fighter. She can make the deal with whoever, wherever, whenever, Yep. present him the fight, and he says, oh, good, fight, yes, <laughs> I'll sign. <laughs> it, that's It's simple as that, you know? It, and you don't have that. You just don't have relationships like that. with with promoters and fighters very often, anymore anyways.
1: A guy like Kovalev just kind of chuckles at the behavior of Al Heyman's little children. Oh, yeah. His little group of 20-something little entitled brats that he has running around (laughs) saying, yeah, that's right, I'm the greatest, look at me. Yeah, I didn't do shit, but I'm the greatest. You know? I mean, that's how I picture them. It's like they're the Muppet babies, like all of them. Like, come on, man. I don't know. It makes me feel better about what's going on right now because you know as long as these guys are around and as long as they're being developed as long as they exist i'm okay with with the sport where it's at right you know what i mean as far as i'm concerned unless you know somebody rings our phone and says hey we love your show we'd love you to do it professionally in the uk where we have a really really respectable fan base of just die hard loyal boxing fans true boxing fans true boxing fans ireland sweden The places where, no mistaking where our fan base comes from, they embody what we talk about on this show.
0: Exactly what we talk about.
1: They are fans of the sport as it should be. The ones that get together and sing song for their champion. Right. You know what I mean? The ones that show up in full force to represent their guy. When they rock the t-shirt of their favorite fighter. They feel like they are in the corner mm-hmm. with their favorite fighter. There's no mistaking where our audience comes from. So until the day one of them offers us a jab, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I guess we're going to have to keep talking about the PBC. <laughs> I can't do it for much longer, buddy. I'll tell you that. I know, I know. But the good thing is is that we um, you know, continue to focus inordinate amounts of times romanticizing about what it was like to be a kid when – the numbers on the warehouse changed to two thousand one hundred and thirty-one consecutive games, and Cal Ripken became baseball's Iron Man.
0: Yeah, it was a basically a national holiday almost when that happened. Absolutely,
1: I miss those days, man. Yeah, I really do. I really do. You know, but yeah, so there you have it. I mean, we could talk about Sergey Kovalev all day.
0: Yeah, uh, he is right now, if not my favorite fighter, he's in the top three, man. He is unbelievable. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So we both are predicting a late round stoppage. Is this going to be a towel coming in from Roy Jones? Is it going to be the referee jumping in between the two of them? Or does he just not come out of the corner? What round and how does the TKO transpire?
0: I'm going to say in the 10th round, the ref's going to step in at some point during the 10th round.
1: Some point during the 10th round, Vince says that the referee is going to stop the fight. I think this fight is going to end around the same time, just for shits and giggles. I'm going to go with the ninth round. But much the same way, Yeah, for sure. So, Sergei Kovalev squares off against Jean Pascal. The Crusher defends his unified light heavyweight championship. For those of you that love to see true champions walk to the ring in all their accomplishment and glory, tune in this Saturday night to HBO World Championship Boxing from Montreal for Kovalev Pascal. So, I think that'll do it for episode 41 of the Tale of the Tape. All right, buddy. So we'll be back next week for episode 42 of the Tale of the Tape as we bring you our post-fight analysis from Kovalev versus Pascal. It should be an action-packed post-fight edition of the Tale of the Tape that you don't want to miss. Be sure to drop by the website for all the archived episodes of the Tale of the Tape boxing podcast and the rant. I'll be back in a few days with a brand new episode of the boxing rant which you can find both podcasts on iTunes and TuneIn Radio. So for my co-host Vince Cummings, who you can follow on Twitter at VinceCummings81, I'm your host Kenny Keith of TheBoxingRant.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. So until next week, episode 42 of The Tale of the Tape. stay safe. And thank you for listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com.